Good afternoon. Welcome to the second edition of Open Clouds Dev, the webcast with me and Christopher Branston, who is currently calling in. Um, Hello. So um, let's see if we can. We see Christopher. That's awesome. Um, wait. Hello, world. There you are. Welcome. Awesome. Um, we still have some technical issues. I mean, it's just 2020. I mean, everybody uh, uh, could ultimately uh, uh, run into those issues. We want to share a screen via Skype, um, which is not working that easily. Um, so I'm calling Christopher in parallel so he can see later on what we are doing. Life could be that easy. Christopher, you just received it's a always, call. Yeah, always good to see uh, what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, you are just receiving a Slack call, so you could basically use that. Yeah, I'm trying to, but I need to switch browsers because cross-browser <laughs> compatibility. Modern time. Um, is, is, that, is that something we actually wanted to discuss here? <laughs> if not, let's do it live on channel, uh, uh, um, you know, modern times. So what is, what is the issue on your side? Well, the issue is that you're trying to give me a call on Slack and, you know, everything plops up and it says Carson is calling, wonderful, beautiful. And when you press the button to join the call, the Slack bot pops up and that's an awesome piece of automation and tells you, well, the call function doesn't work in your version of your browser and please switch to Chrome. And which you, you know, have Chrome installed? Is weird. Yeah. I'm just logging in. Give me awesome. a sec. I'll check this out. That is um, awesome. hmm. Modern times. Modern yeah. times. Did you have awesome. a good week? But, uh, did I have a good week? Was that your question just now? Yes, it was. Last week. Well, you know, this it's week. Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday, so kind of. You know, nothing bad happened up to now, but otherwise... I, last I was referring was to awesome. more like the past seven days. <laughs> oh, okay. The past seven days. Well, yeah, there's uh, so much happening. I'm working a lot. Um, finally, it's, you know, we're allowed to go outside a little again. So you can, you know, meet a friend for a coffee or a beer without being all panicky that you're doing something wrong. Um, otherwise, like today, maybe, maybe, you know, people can see... Today, like open clouds is really a thing because uh, the clouds have been open here uh, for, I don't know, the last three days. You get up and it rains and you go to bed and it rains, but oh well, oh well. That's just how it goes. So I'm getting further. I, you know, I need to confirm my email address now, but <laughs> since my standard browser it is, just awesome. is set to Firefox, it just Gets me all back. So but but uh, while you are while you are uh, uh, basically confirming your email address, um, I nonetheless uh, can basically force you to. You cannot see it at the moment, uh, uh, but nonetheless, I can basically uh, uh, make you respond to that. Uh, one of the news I want to discuss with you is a news that you do not need to see, uh, but it's basically like um, uh, latest operating system shares. Uh, uh, in May, um, and uh, we discussed a little bit upfront. Uh, uh, so basically, currently it's like uh, fifty-eight percent close to that. 
uh, been working on Windows 10, another 24% on Windows 7, 4.39% working on macOS 10.15, um, Windows 8.1, poor guys, um, still 3%, macOS 10.14, 2.5%, and then Ubuntu 2.11%, older macOSs like 1.4%, and every other Linux is basically 1%. Um, when we discussed that up front a little bit, you, Chris, were like, they always uh, um, uh, make one big mess out of Linux. Um, do you want to elaborate into that? Yeah, because, you know, it says Mac users, Linux users, they even, you know, they, they, they even break it down to Windows 8, Windows 9, Windows 10, and then just comes Linux. Okay, then comes Linux. It's, you know, like, like telling somebody, well, you can, you, you go to a car dealer and he tells you, you can buy a BMW or a other car. And you're not like kind of pretending that everything except your own technology or whatever it is, is unimportant, but actually the, the greatest thing about Linux and actually the far more important metric in a, in a report like that would be what Linux are people using? Yeah. Are they using Ubuntu? Because it's fun and easy Ubuntu, to use. Ubuntu is, the only using... Linux. Ubuntu is the only Linux they uh, uh, explicitly uh, uh, name here. Ubuntu is 2.11% and every other Linux is 1%. So they basically wow. they basically divide Linux into Ubuntu and everything else. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that just takes so much away from the great mix that, that Linux actually is. Because it is about flavor, it is about color, it is about choice and preference. Absolutely. Um and you know why 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 diminish that and just say Linux as kind of this generic term? And it makes me wonder, is this a thing? that is a media perception or is this a thing that is a common end user perception? You know, I use Windows or Linux. Um, I don't know where, where that stems from, but maybe that's an interesting topic. You know, I'm a community guy in my real life um, and I address and talk to different communities. Um, and for example, on Saturday, I had a great talk at the Dublin Linux community. Mm -hmm. They invited me to talk about SUSE and our developer program and the sandbox. And that was super interesting because part of each profile within this community was what's your favorite Linux distro? And people just started, you know, talking about what's your favorite distro and why do you and use it? And there were even exactly, people why saying you like... SUSE over uh, Fedora, over CentOS, over Mint, whatever. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, it was just the, the interesting thing was, and I haven't seen this with any other architecture or platform, was a guy telling me, you know, in my free time, I use Ubuntu because it just works for me. And when I go to work and I work with a bunch of developers, we use Debian because it's stable and it's kind of a very, very open format. Um, and then there was this other lady from, I actually don't know where she was from, I think somewhere West Coast US saying she's okay. a hacker. Of course, she uses Kali. That's, you know, what we've seen in Mr. Robot on Amazon. Obviously. The crazy hacker stuff. Um, but, you know, when, when have I ever in the last 30 years had a choice when I boot up my Microsoft machine to say, I want my worker specialized profile and functionality. I want my fun 
kind of, you know, desktop. Would it be you don't like Microsoft Windows? Um, well, no, I actually have Microsoft Windows on my laptop. I enjoy using it, but... Is, is that laptop <clears throat> the one that basically broke down last time? Oh, yeah. But I'm still trying to pinpoint if that's a hardware or a software problem. Hmm. Who knows? Let's, let's keep that open. That's some sort of a cliffhanger then. Did you already uh, uh, um, um, uh, uh, got your Slack working? Yeah, well, um, I'm kind of caught in the slackness of it <laughs> <laughs> it, because, you know, it keeps, it keeps telling me um, that I should uh, confirm my email address, which sucks because I did, because it then just sends me back to my standard browser. But I think I've hacked it. I'm a hacker, too. That sounds, that sounds you know, something awesome. like that. So you are basically the greatest hacker on Earth? Oh, no, I'd probably be the worst hacker on Earth because there's two things about hacking that come up. The one thing is break things and the other thing is fix it. I can do one thing very, very well and the other I'm not so good at. But you can, you know, I'll leave it to you to figure out which Let point I'm Let me guess. Let me guess. Um, but when we just talked about uh, uh, Linux and while you are still uh, uh, basically trying to log into Slack, uh, which appears to be a problem on your end, um, do not want to comment on that. Um, Here's another news, uh, 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 and you can perhaps uh, uh, um, comment on that. So last week, uh, Devuan BioWolf 3.0 was released. Um, um, that is basically some sort of a fork from Debian, right? Um, so mm -hmm. they released it, um, and uh, um, basically uh, the start in that was uh, they want to... to be, you know, uh, uh, what was it? They want to have a different init system, if I recall correctly. Uh, they want to have init freedom. Oh, I get a call from somebody I know. Um, how to I hacked it. One? Where is it? <laughs> is it working? Give me a second. So... Well, you're gone on, on video now, but you might be back in a second. Oh, there you are. Hello, Carsten. <laughs> uh, it's not like we have major issues here with technology, uh, basically being live in the game. Um, are we in a call now via Slack as well? Yeah, I was promised a great screen share, but where, you know, where's the screen? I already see you. I can hear you. Give me a second. Give me a second. I make you see my screen. I make you see happy and then you can basically see whatever is going on. Um, Ooh, yeah, I can see it now. Yeah, That's at great. least a little bit. So, Debian, Beowulf. Um, no, Devuan, Beowulf, whatever it is called. Init freedom. Um, so basically, they say uh, an init replacement is needed. Uh, um, they uh, uh, basically uh, want to be minimalistic. And is that the new hot shit on the Linux world? Devuan Beowulf 3.0? <laughs> 
I'm not I'm not really sure if that's kind of the newest of the newest of the new, but it says in kind of the second headline, minimalist distro. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the, the core point of why they're doing it um, is because they want to, at the moment, everything is going cloud, streamlined, app, embedded. Um, and that's why they're probably doing it because a lot of the functionality you normally get within the Linux kernel or the Linux distribution just has a lot of stuff you probably won't need when you're using it in, in production. And that's kind of one of the things where a lot of the Linux distributions and projects and communities around it um, are just leading up to 2020. Chris, can you do me a favor and press the mute button on your Slack? You're audible two times. And that sounds awesome. Um, but basically, I do not like it if people have more depth than I do. Yeah, I think double me is uh, maybe a little much. <laughs> is it better now? It is definitely better, although uh, it was basically all the way what you said. Now comes one of my most beloved um, news uh, uh, of the past days. US Air Force is going to equip their upcoming B-21 bombers with Kubernetes. So you don't wow. not, you not only get you know some bombs on your head, you get containers on your head in the future. Isn't that great? I mean that's the big question. I, I read the article and and does it actually point you to what they are, are really, really doing with the containers? Um, they want to uh, basically roll out uh, uh, their um, um, internal software as containers uh, uh, on Kubernetes. So that is basically the idea there. Um, and frankly, there's a lot of sense in that. Basically, it's the same reason why we do that, why we use containers, why we use Kubernetes. Because you basically just... Uh, uh, use that ecosystem for your containers, for your workloads. You do not have to care about abstraction anymore because you are in some sort of abstracted environment. You do not need to take care about um, workload of specific nodes. As long as you have enough resources, the container orchestrator will do everything for you. Um, so there's a lot of uh, uh, positivity going on with containers. And now it is used by the US Air Force. So an, inter <laughs> an interesting thing that I uh, thought about, you know, was you see all these uh, joke movies, you know, Top Gun and what's it called? The Naked Cannon or what in German, Nackte Kanone. Yeah. And where they always, you know, have these fun little monitors where there's blips on it and they can follow stuff and uh -huh. everything has a separate uh -huh. icon. Uh -huh. And that's where I'm seeing them heading here, you know, with Kubernetes <laughs> and container technology. You switch on your B-52 bomber and it becomes a container and then you can do all the geo-tracking and playing around and give it a nice avatar. And, you know, that's just open source at its max. Who knows? Maybe the, you know, the army's cotton on to the fact. But, but wouldn't, wouldn't uh, um, uh, um, basically, uh, uh, wouldn't that adapt to um, a security of Kubernetes then as well? I mean... You do not want your B-20 something bomber, B-21, I guess. Yeah, your B-21 bomber to be hacked, right? Um, and if they would live the cloud native and the open source stream, they would not only bring in their own kind of Kubernetes flavor, they would contribute back to the community, right? Um, yeah. Modern times, awesome it, times. It, it, 
it, it actually is perfect because containers, as we know, are stateless. And if something is stateless, that must mean it's secure and not findable. Uh, they should perhaps bring in blockchain. Oh, blockchain. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and well, then, then on the other hand, you know, isn't, isn't, isn't such a B21 bomber then becoming some sort of an IoT device and an edge appliance? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Embedded Linux, Edge, minimal Linux. <laughs> and, and wouldn't they call it the fastest Edge device on Earth? <laughs> Probably, yeah. The, the, the fastest container on Earth. <laughs> and again, if something goes wrong, they stop dropping bombs, they drop containers. Exactly. Like, kill it. Kill it and start it again somewhere else. That's <laughs> hey, maybe awesome that's some idea. That's going too far into politics. <laughs> Do you feel like that, that, is, that is too far into politics? Cannot imagine that. Yeah, nice thing. Um, then, Docker Enterprise. They are still existing. Um, I get a lot of calls today. Um, there must be a reason for that. I mean, I mean there is a reason for Fans that. Fans of the show. Uh, perhaps I should not. Perhaps I should not have, have sent out emails before the show to everybody. Please call me now. 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 Uh, could be the reason. Um, so, um, um, Docker Enterprise. Docker. Uh, uh, was released mm -hmm. uh, um, pretty much like last week or the week the week before last week. Um, it's Docker Enterprise. 3.1, right? Um, and yeah. uh, uh, they basically come now with Kubernetes 1.17. Uh, let's appreciate it properly. Wait, I bring the both of us into view and now we can appreciate it. Docker 1.17. Uh, Kubernetes 1.17 on Docker. Yay! It was about... Actually, um... The, the interesting part, I think, is it's just a great addition to what Mirantis does with OpenStack. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it's kind of we're, we're heading in the direction of the main kind of news we wanted to share in the main article. Um, but that's putting agility into the whole cloud thing, isn't it? Um, because thinking about, you know, you, you have OpenStack, which is kind of your possibility, your tool to create your own private cloud. Open um, would be an awesome tool for a modern cloud company. Oh yeah, I I I, I kind of love the OpenStack project, but it's gotten kind of quiet. I don't know, maybe just oh, from from my personal view. But no, but but frankly, they are they are still uh, uh, quite alive. They uh, um, um, when was it like like four six weeks ago? They they published their newest release. Um, and that release is ultimately being able to run uh, uh, in containers. Um, so you would be able to, to roll out uh, uh, your OpenStack private cloud infrastructure on top of containers, giving you the ability to, to uh, provide your organization with virtual machines and the likes. Um, and basically, uh, uh, um, you know, um, have all the benefits of a container-based environment. So um, actually, they are making quite a lot of progress and um, the project is getting more and more interesting. Problem for them is basically that uh, most of uh, uh, the market is looking into public cloud environments. Um, 
and or containerized environments. Um, and OpenStack has a perception of being um, pretty cost intensive uh, uh, and uh, uh, has a perception of uh, being very resource intensive as well. Um, and that is true, by the way. It stays true because it's not meant as some sort of uh, a turnkey solution. Uh, OpenStack is something that you customize for your environment, that you basically roll out specifically for your environment. So, but if you do that, you have something which is comparable uh, uh, to what uh, uh, some some random uh, public cloud offering would give you. And I mean, that's a good thing. It is yours, yours alone. Um, and now we it's have about control at that point. Exactly, exactly. And now we have uh, Mirantis. Uh, um, we need to uh, remind the audience that um, basically they took over uh, uh, Docker Enterprise, Docker Inc. Uh, in November last year, it was quite some surprise, some surprising move. Um, and uh, they now come uh, basically with scheduler improvements and Windows support, greater Windows support, um, and uh, uh, include then again Docker. Uh, Forgive me, uh, um, Kubernetes 1.17 uh, uh, within that release. So you feel like that is, uh, 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 and one more point that is uh, basically visible um, at the bottom of, of uh, this news article. Um, they also uh, um, support easier deployment and better deployment of Istio. Um, so do mm -hmm. you feel like uh, uh, that is a good step, that is a good move? Because frankly, I'm very, uh, let me put it that way, pretty uh, uh, fearful uh, um, and pretty uh, uh, scared to some extent of Mirantis because they do not have the best track record in maintaining compatibility with open source environments, right? Uh, just looking at their... Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I've been through this in, in other webinars and talks and, and sessions. Um, I think 2020 and the next couple of years will really kind of be the proving ground for a lot of the companies um, to show that they know what open source is and they know how open source works mm -hmm. because it's about putting the pieces together. It's about maintaining a project. It's about um, giving something upstream and, and taking back to your company to yeah. make your solution yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, it, especially it, with something it, as it highly modular as so open right? Yeah. Sorry, I, I was not. I, I did not want to interrupt you. It was more like uh, to support oh, oh. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just you know I find I find the whole concept so interesting. So Mirantis itself is an age-old company. It's one of these players that kind of invented IT together with IBM and some of the others. Um, and the big big challenge that that they have been facing and they will be facing is, you know, to progress and to go on and, and to build a comprehensive portfolio to take you into the future. Yeah. And choosing OpenStack was maybe kind of the risky move because as you mentioned, cloud is always kind of the same in, in the public imagination with public cloud. Um, Which is but the there'll be role. a huge market for private cloud. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but nonetheless, they transformed their private cloud offering and they are not the only ones. Basically, they transformed their open stake, their open stake-based offering into some public cloud offering. I mean, looking at uh, some of our partners, for example, uh, OVH, um, 
they, for example, mm. uh, have their public cloud offering based on OpenStack. And there are more uh, uh, which are doing that. Perhaps they are not like uh, um, sitting there and saying, well, we are based on OpenStack. Uh, we are a guest. Um, but they, in fact, are. Um, so, um, yeah. again, from, from me, frankly, uh, it was quite a surprising move of Mirantis to buy Docker Enterprise, Docker Inc. Um, and um, I'm totally on your side. Uh, the next years will basically prove if, if they contribute back or if they basically turn the enterprise Docker kind of thing into something really proprietary, um, which I am afraid is at yeah. least part of what they aim for. Because you need to understand that, uh, not you, but the audience, uh, the listener, uh, need to understand that basically their business model is... Uh, um, um, giving you uh, uh, managed services, giving you uh, support. Uh, um, and if you would stick too close to the, uh, uh, to the community offering, hmm, you could give yourself the kind of support you need, right? Um, so get away a little bit, just enough for, for you know, raising new questions. That might be a problem there. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I, do not, I do not want to, to uh, um, basically trash Mirantis uh, before anything happened. Um, although I did, uh, but Whoops. I, I'm open. I'm open for improvement. I'm totally open for any kind of improvement. Um, so yeah. that was Mirantes then, and you will love that. Um, Amazon and Slack decided that they will basically um, become best new buddies in the world, right? Um, so uh, yeah. basically, that was uh, uh, just last week. Uh, there was an announcement that basically uh, Amazon workers are using uh, Slack now uh, um, as their kind of platform for the future um, um, when doing uh, um, interactions with each other. I don't know how to say that. Um, basically, do when when they want to Slack, they should use Slack now. Uh, um, and uh, um, <laughs> on the opposite side. Uh, um, Slack is integrating Amazon's Chime technology into their product for providing, uh, and you are just, you know, in that kind of ecosystem for providing you with better call and uh, uh, picture quality um, when doing that stuff. And third thing, um, Slack is going to provide you with uh, um, additional functionalities in regard to basically orchestrating your Amazon cloud. And I'm I'm waiting for the moment when somebody releases some sort of a Slack bot uh, that basically runs Amok and uh, ultimately spawns like 10 billions of uh, virtual machines just because you just said, hello, AWS bot, or something around that. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's big players trying to buy credibility. So uh, as mentioned, I do work in developer relations and developers are pretty much Linux and open source people if you let them be. Mm -hmm. um, and what do a lot of these big companies not have? <laughs> open source mentality, open source solution, open source code, open source way of things. So Microsoft bought GitHub. Why not let Amazon do its thing with Slack until they, they purchase it? Slack and then you get some credibility. But they haven't bought Slack yet. But right. <laughs> and you know it's it's kind of like when you walk into a starbucks and you order a normal filtered coffee it's 
fucking the best coffee they have, the filter coffee. But if you walk around with your filter coffee in hand, you're not part of the crowd. Everybody in Starbucks will look at you and say, like, no arms, no latte, soy, macchiato, pumpkin, awesome crap. And, you know, then you, then you feel like the left-out kid on the playground. And that's how all the major companies are feeling at the moment. The world is opening up. Um, being locked down, being in home office taught us that open source is actually the key in the solution Absolutely. to productivity, to scalability, to um, getting rid of defined barriers. Yeah. Um, and so actually, although it's probably pretty much a PR and, and publicity move, it's great to see large-scale monopolist companies embracing open source. Do they really embrace open source? Where exactly is open source in AWS and uh, where exactly is it in Slack? <laughs> well, it's the open source mentality. Can we call it that? <laughs> open source people embracing... Forciness? Uh, yeah, how do we say? Yeah. Is it open yeah. sourciness that kind of fluidity around your head uh, when you use open source that makes you look younger and fresher and don't know uh, uh, more appealing to the yeah we, we've had this uh, in, in customer scenarios you know trying to pitch a cloud application platform and then it's about devops and people keep pretending like you know you call up a company and say can i buy five devops please? <laughs> yeah, i know and i know I orchestrate you, know, you five uh, containers. Awesome thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's not going to work. But if I sell something like that, I have to sell it as a lifestyle. And that's that's Mentally. where these yeah, companies are to say, um, if I sell a mindset and then offer solutions to actually live out this mindset, that's where my business can be. Um, yeah, and those companies have billions and billions for campaigns, for PR people, for marketing people to do exactly that. Um, but that it's still okay-ish. I'll put it okay-ish on it. I don't find it very, very bad. Basically but not value, you basically value that they at least try to look a little bit like the cool kids. Yeah, yeah, they are yeah nice. exactly. And speaking of not the cool kid, um, and speaking of Amazon, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. And I apologize for, for just having uh, an MSN site open. Interestingly enough, by the way, one of my favorite news of the past week was that MSN uh, basically uh, um, kicks out all its employees, all its journalistic employees, and replace them by uh, artificial intelligence bots. Um, <laughs> no joke, no joke. Uh, uh, they basically uh, uh, decided to do that. And that has nothing to do with cost effectiveness. That's just because AI is better than humans. Now you got it. Uh, yeah. Anyways, um, Elon yeah. Musk, he was uh, uh, basically pulling another Elon. I don't know how to say it differently. Um, A classic what was it? Elon. Sorry? A classic Elon. A classic, A classic Elon, Musk. exactly. Um, and the problem was uh, um, that basically um, um, Milon, uh, uh, Milon, Elon, um, was not able to publish a book or a pamphlet, perhaps better, um, because Amazon basically rejected it. And he was basically not only pulling an Elon, he was also pulling a Trump. Uh, um, and basically, 
Stan Darren said, Amazon is monopoly. We need to break them up. We need to get rid of any monopolies on the market. Elon, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, that's a typical Elon. Uh, but when, when Elon basically demands Amazon to be split up, it's getting serious, Jeff. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's just this guy that there's something about this guy. So first thing he did a while back was kick Facebook because it's an evil capitalist tool that Mark Zuckerberg is running. And you figure like, wow, you know, that's that's kind of a pitch into the blue. Um, then he's together with, let's say, an artist that is very, very widely perceived as being completely nuts to give him a little of the image, you know, and. He, you know, then, then he goes out and just chooses. It, it's like when you're in prison, you know, choose the biggest guy, beat him up, and then you get respect. And I think that's the one he's trying to go for. But he really does not want to lose credibility while doing it. <laughs> this guy's lifestyle, you know, his, his business practice might be what it be, but his lifestyle, you know, that's, I could imagine being a guy like that in, in 20 years, you know, give me a billion dollars and see what happens. That could be interesting. But, um, but, but you know, in, money and media. In that regard, in that regard, it's interesting to know that Amazon and uh, Elon Musk actually have overlapping uh, uh, businesses in some regard. Speaking of space, uh, uh, Amazon, for example, is uh, going to launch a fleet of um, so-called LEO Uh, uh, low Earth orbit-based uh, uh, satellites for providing internet connectivity pretty much everywhere on the world. Um, and uh, 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 SpaceX, Elon Musk's company, is going to do exactly the same. Um, and uh, uh, that is basically, which I feel like is also part of the game. If he basically gets some sort of discussion uh, 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 being led... Uh, or at least started um, or restarted, let me put it that way, because there was uh, that other guy uh, um, that uh, uh, always uh, trumps out things. Um, that guy basically uh, had the same idea like, like one or two years ago. Um, and if he gets that kind of discussion started, um, it could become reality. I mean, he is used to make things becoming reality, right? He's very successful in that. So I feel like that is perhaps part of the game as well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's that's just a hardcore fact. Looking at all these billionaires, millionaires, people throwing around with money, having influence in politics. One thing that Elon Musk did, and that's why I'm actually, yeah, I, I do appreciate this guy, is he doesn't believe in limits. He doesn't believe he cannot do something. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I don't know, five absolutely. years ago, he said, I'll send a rocket to space. Boom, here we are. You know, he's sending rockets to space. Oh, he is. He's, um, what, what he's and, currently trying to do is he's currently uh, uh, bringing that kind of Leo satellite fleet into the orbit to raise money for his Mars mission. Um, so uh, and, and he wants to basically throw nukes at Mars to start some sort of terraforming process. Um, which would ultimately mean peace on Earth. Uh, uh, so I'm totally into that. Um, and then he wants basically catapult himself, on, himself, himself onto the Mars, which, again, I totally second on that regard. Um, but um, um, so basically he has missions. He is basically the one saying, I don't accept any kind of limits. Pretty much the same as you and I do, right? 
Um, I mean, look at us. Exactly. Look at us. We are, you look know, we are, we are basically the ones that show that you do not need to, you know, accept limits to be limited. But that's a different story. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, Elon that. Musk's career started by walking into eBay with a big fat kind of suitcase full of money and saying, hey, I just invented PayPal. It's electronic pay payment. Perfect for you guys. I'll give you a million to run it the first year and we'll see what happens after that. And now, you know, coming from, from actually one of the smoothest deals in history to the boring company mm -hmm. and SpaceX and I Tesla. Think, way, and... My next car will be a Tesla. Wow. I'm going to support it. I wish I had one of those. Uh, I don't have one of those, but uh, I decided that my next new car, let me put it that way, my next new car will be a Tesla without any discussions. And there, you know, there we are back to an actual very, very open sourcey topic. Because I'd love to have a Tesla and I, you know, or, or generally an electric car. But since I don't own the apartment that I live in and I'm in kind of a bigger building complex, I couldn't charge my car anywhere. And they told me I could pay 20,000 euros for a charging station that I then would not own in a garage I do not own for a car that's probably leased in a house that I also don't own. And the technology is there, but it's not being made accessible to me. And that's the unfair part do you, about do you it. Perhaps, do you perhaps get the point in what you are saying? <laughs> Wouldn't it be easier to the, say what the, you the point? No, the, the, the point being, you know, um, with a lot of the great technology we have and with a lot of the stuff that could save the world, it's just not accessible or it's not feasible. And that's yeah, what keeps yeah, a lot of the, yeah. the great projects and the great technologies held back and you tend to wonder in a in a time of of multi-connectivity in yeah. a time of ultra mobility in a time where actually kind of you know that there's just so much more possibility than there was 10 20 50 years ago something something you cannot blame elon musk for is not sharing technology um, because he open sourced yep. tesla's battery technology he open sourced, yes. um, what is it called, that thing that is that running fast, Hyperloop, uh, the idea there and uh, some of, of the, the patents there. Um, so he is sharing um, and you can, you can basically say whatever you want about him and you would be right because he is some sort of a narcissist. He is some sort of an <laughs> ego-driven kind of personality, um, but he is also giving back and contributing back. Um, yes, and that exactly. Is, that is something which I feel like is very fascinating. Um, although, although I need to 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 uh, um, say, um, you are even more altruistic, aren't you? I know. I, I mean, um, you live in a in a house that you do not own. You drive a car that you do not own, and so you are way more altruistic than Elon Musk. So I feel like we should create a statue. Of you, oh that, oh, oh that, that would be kind of awesome. Yeah, I don't know if I'd look good as a statue because you know, you know how much material that would cost. This is cool, you know, but oh man, that's about <laughs> half a ton of, of material. I don't know if we if we have enough funding for that. Um, um. By the way, if you are just listening to the podcast, 
now would have been the time to switch into our video transfer and to into our into our YouTube channel to see how Chris is looking <laughs> really and um, perhaps you are lucky. I CGI. That's CGI. Awesome CGI technology. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about uh, Gaia X um, because Gaia X oh, is yeah. basically one of the biggest and hottest topics at least of the last week and at least uh, in Germany and France. Um, Chris, what do you know about Gaia X? So, uh, yeah, generally we want to s take monkeys, give them little computers and send them to space. No, just kidding. Wait, uh, that was Gaia SpaceX. Yeah. That was not Gaia X, that was SpaceX. Oh, damn. Oh, we're, oh, it's not the Elon Musk topic anymore. No, uh, let's get serious because, uh, you know, coming from Germany, I'm used to a lot of laws and rules and over-engineering and perfection that we strive to. And one of these projects is actually Gaia X. It's about um, digital sovereignty. It's about data consistency. And it's about a way to create a pool of data, of software, of code, of repositories um, that stand on their own sovereign and separated feet to not put basically in, in the last instance my personal data as a German uh, as a German citizen into any open or public clouds. And ah, with wait, that wait. make it, it the handling be, be, of my data set. It can set. be within open and public clouds. But what it prevents to do is it prevents to you know transfer that kind of data onto clouds being governed under the Patriot Act or the Cloud Act. Yeah. Um, so um, so let me let me let me give you some some insights into Gaia X because yesterday I had a great uh, conversation with Wolfgang Soll, uh, who is who is working within mm -hmm. uh, Gaia X, and he basically explained it to me like that: uh, Gaia X is widely perceived um, as something that uh, basically should create a new hyperscaler. But that's plain wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, Gaia X is not about creating a new hyperscaler. Gaia X is basically um, about creating some overlay for existing cloud environments and existing cloud ecosystems. So the companies being participating there and um, working within Gaia X um, are basically, by the way, they are not state funded. There are, is no state money within Gaia-X. It's a completely industry-driven project. Um, and what they want to do, they want to create some sort of cloud of clouds. So some sort of meta cloud. So what they want to do is actually they, they want to um, um, provide you with the ability to look into some sort of a catalog um, and to, to uh, basically um, find a provider um, for a specific kind of piece of a cloud stack. So say you want to have some sort of storage, um, then you would look into the storage section of the Gaia-X catalog and say, okay, look, here's OVH, here is uh, uh, SUSE Cloud, here is whatever. Um, just go and uh, uh, um, provision that. Um, and Gaia-X would be uh, responsible for doing identification and federation um, they should be uh, later on able to do the billing uh, on behalf of the provider. Mm -hmm. So you do not need to have uh, an account with all of those providers. Uh, they want to give you some sort of a central dashboard later on. And 
um, they uh, uh, want to to um, just to they, they just want to work with clouds um, that are complying uh, to European data protection regulations and that are complying uh, complying with uh, uh, um, security regulations uh, such as the German BSI certificates. Um, so. What yes. they basically want to do is they do not want to build a cloud. They want to build some sort of a virtual cloud. Um, Gaia-X is, uh, if you want to see it that way, some sort of a cloud orchestrating framework. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is that uh, basically um, it is uh, a completely industry-driven approach. Um, it is um, um, centered around privacy and data protection, absolutely. Um, and it should mm -hmm. uh, uh, establish something like a compliance framework, certification services, and so on and so forth. And it should be based completely upon open source technologies. Um, yeah. That's quite interesting to me, because that sounds like the big industry. Because there are companies like uh, such as T-Systems, part of the game, Atos, uh, uh, traditional kind of cloud providers, but no Amazon, uh, no Microsoft at the moment. Um, but on the other hand, uh, uh, the good old mighty IBM, for example, is playing in there as well. Um, but nonetheless, uh, they want to set in and they want to bring open source into the center of those things. And that's nice, isn't it? I, it? It definitely is, because it's really one of the most prestigious projects we have. But um, next to open source, which is kind of a common theme uh, with Gaia X, what I think what that's going to solve, and here comes like kind of the millennial shit for you, is I want to call it the Amazon conundrum. Because with Amazon, just as a very private user, they make me pay like 79 euros uh, a year and I get Amazon Prime. And with my Amazon Prime membership, um, I'm also allowed to go into Amazon movies and stream movies. Mm -hmm. And within the Amazon movies part, I can actually purchase movies. And these movies will then be displayed in my movie library with Amazon, which is awesome. I can own digital content. It's great. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. But I don't own the content because what happens if I cancel my Prime subscription, no more movies for me, but I paid for them. I, I paid for them to own them. That's what the advertisement said. Or what happens if Amazon changes its um, subscription model? What is if Amazon gets purchased by some company? Okay, unrealistic, oh, but you know, if, what, what if, happens what if, if there's changes? Uh, for example, taking your, your example with the, with the movie, um, what if, if Amazon loses the rights to stream this movie? Because that happened. Um, and what happens and then is basically you are out of the game because what you purchased in regard to Amazon was just the ability and the right to stream that movie as long as Amazon holds the rights. Exactly. And, and I feel really bad about that as a private person. But now let's put it onto a public governmental level. Imagine you're the IT guy um, who here in Nuremberg has all my personal data, maybe some credit history, maybe my living history. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff tied probably into my own kind of personal data set that the mm -hmm. town or Germany or whoever has. 
And in no way would I support it that somebody takes my personal information and data that's important to me, puts it into a public cloud and just hopes the business will be all right and everything will go okay for the next couple of years. And, you know, big companies won't use monopolies to do whatever the hell they please. Yeah, definitely. Because it's um, about gaining about basically emancipating ourselves, at least on a governmental and public level, uh, from the monopolists in the big three that are there, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google. And finding ways and finding processes and finding secure processes to handle the most valuable asset that we will have in future, which is our data, in a private way. But isn't that a good thing then, if we have Gaia-X in place with, with privacy good. and with, with data protection regulations? Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. I'm I'm all fan of that. And I what I think is so great, um, as you mentioned, it's not a, a, a state-funded project, but it's an industry-funded project. And since industry are the ones creating data and creating data about me, I think it's also their responsibility to find a solution to make the whole thing secure. And that's why that is a really, really great project, because the right people and the right thoughts and the right ideas and are coming together to form, in the best case, a great platform and a, yeah, a kind of great digital mindset for us to live in. And I haven't seen so many countries in international press that really have that as a topic yeah. and are kind of being open about it and rolling information out to the public. And so actually, this is one of the very few times where I'm saying Germany is being a role model. And that's kind of, you know, in, in digital things. <laughs> that's for me new. I've been on this planet for 34 years and Germany was never known for its great IT thinking. But we might get there now. Really, you are doing that kind of uh, webcast and podcast with me for two weeks now. So you should have that enlightenment like two weeks ago. Oh, oh man. Oh, yeah. It took a while. I'm slow. Yeah, you know? I, I know. I know. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> But coming back, coming back to the topic there, um, what I feel like is so fascinating is, frankly, I feel like what they want to achieve is to some extent uh, uh, impossible. Um, because it will still be some sort of um, uh, uh, independent uh, uh, environments. Um, what I feel like is going not to be possible is like making it completely seamless. That might be a weakness, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, it's a strength, right? Because having some sort of a, not to say it negatively, but having some sort of cluttered environment um, is then again something which prevents Uh, 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 others from seeing all of your data. So you would be using Gaia-X, you would be able to create some environment on Cloud A, on Cloud B, on Cloud C, and always just bring in the specific data in there. So they won't be able to basically uh, create the whole picture without at least without hacking your whole account there. Again, security yeah. is a very important aspect there. But the point being is, And the interesting aspect there is that um, it gets as easy as basically setting up an account uh, um, in the future. And what I see then as another huge advantage, um, it makes you uh, forget about uh, your traditional kind of data center, which gives you perceived security. But it is not secure in that regard because you do not have the resources to do proper federation 
to do proper security uh, uh, scanning and to, to establish uh, proper security processes. So with Gaia-X, you can basically benefit from what all the specific and uh, the specialized uh, providers are doing, like OVH, like IBM, like uh, whoever is contributing there. It's like hundreds of companies at the moment. And you basically have all those offerings under one umbrella, they comply to the same minimum standards and those minimum standards are by no means minimalistic. They are very high standards actually. And it gives you, and that is the interesting thing there, it gives you some sort of a virtual hyperscaler without building a hyperscaler because you can scale out everything and, it, and scale out your data. No, I'm not stopping. I'm just getting into the mood. <laughs> Because it's awesome. Because it is. You know, we we work in the we work in in kind of the software consulting services uh, business, um, and up to now, at least in Germany, you know, we have this thing called Kaufhaus des Bundes, which is kind of uh, the late 1990s app store, <laughs> if you want to call it's that. Not even an app store. It's basically, it's basically just a list of services. Yes, exactly. So, you know, you go in there, it tells you what is available for what price and who do you need to call to order it. Exactly. But what will be coming with GIX is, is actually a real 2020 app store where you have secure, safe and approved um, software that you can just click on, install it, get it into, into the, you know, your process. And after that, probably an email will plop up on your desktop or mine saying like, hey, somebody bought something. Wouldn't you want to, you know, send him an invoice? <laughs> Got to make I business fun. I that email every day. Um, I'm totally on your side. And that is another aspect which is highly, highly underestimated. If you have a joint cloud offering based on the same standards and not provided by just one single provider who is just doing his kind of business, you get a completely different level of choice. Um, you can literally choose from thousands of applications, which you would be able to run on hundreds of environments um, for dozens of euros. You get the point. But the point is there. Yeah. Um, the point is um, that gives that kind of digitalization, that, that kind of cloudification, which is currently going on, another push unless they screw it up. Um, and uh, if I look at some names in there, let me put it that way. It's the same as with uh, Mirantis a little bit earlier. Um, I give them the doubt um, and I give them a chance to convince me. Um, on the other hand, uh, frankly, they have quite an, uh, uh, a challenging kind of schedule. They want to present something pretty much around now in, in like two, three months. Um, they want to start with some, some sort of alpha or beta services next, next year. Um, and the whole thing should be up and running in one to one and a half years from now. Um, and that is a lot of ambitious. work to be done. <laughs> that is very ambitious, yeah. It is, but it is. You know, for, for me, more than, you know, there's a lot of press around it. And at the moment, you know, there's there's a lot of talk being generated. But for me, the, the, the bigger push, in, and that just ties back into why I get up every morning, why we have this webcast, why I do what I do. Because is, you like my um, face? 
kind of kind of you know spreading spreading openness and spreading accessibility and spreading technology to the world just and ignoring maybe, my comments just ignoring my comments no i'm totally on your side i'm totally on your side you are a man on a mission i am a man on a mission and that kind of oh, yeah. ecosystem although it is named terribly i mean what is gaia x supposed to mean um But I know what Gaia X is, what what Gaia is, uh, uh, and the X looks modern on that. I totally get it. The, and it looks the, the the funny thing is Gaia is the Greek god of chaos. <laughs> Germany chaos Merkel open source. Uh, <laughs> it feels like it feels like a different world, you know. Uh, but non <laughs> nonetheless. Um, what I feel like is interesting. Currently, it is uh, actually pushed by Germany and France companies based in Germany and France. There is literally no other com uh, company from, from other countries involved at the moment. Um, but it will be a European project. It is open to other members of the European Union. Looking at you, UK. Huh. Um, so you should, you should think about that twice later on. Um, because if you do not comply with the European Uh, GDPR standards and with European security regulations, you might you might uh, perhaps contribute to some aspects of Gaia X, but you will never ever be at the inner core, right? Um, and that is then again something which I feel like is interesting. It can be a very very uh, nightmarish kind of thing, um, but frankly, to me, the, the the opportunities and the chances that are there with Gaia X. I'm interesting and I feel like that um, maybe, kind of approach makes sense. Maybe it's similar to what we were saying earlier with, you know, DevOps, I sell a lifestyle. Maybe we also need to see the kind of lifestyle component of Gaia X um, because it does come down to the people implementing, you know, yeah, they're, they're going to offer solutions. They're going to offer centralized solutions and it's still heavily dependent on the local IT guys to implement it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I live in Bavaria or much more in Franconia. Um, oh, that's a, that's a and, difference. yeah, uh, you know, people, people are the way they are, you know. The good thing about Gaia X is that even if you live in Bavaria or in Franconia, you are still invited to participate in there. But, uh, you know, I, I told you this, I wrote you this under, under the article in our Slack channel where I was saying, well, until Gaia X comes around, I'll still be getting letters to please send an email to somebody at the town center, like the town hall, to receive something as a fax. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not seeing that changing so fast around here. No, I've are, been here 34 years. And, Christopher, Christopher, frankly, let's be honest. We are still living in Germany. So digitalization oh, yeah. in Germany is yeah. if you use a computer to create a fax, fax it over, scan it back in, um, then uh, provide it internally as email, print that out and read it from the paper. Yeah, yeah. And here, go, look at this. I'm using a mobile phone to look at a browser that I'm in. With a, you know, it's the, it's kind of the, the German Gaia X Inception that I'm doing here. The Gaia X Inception. That will be the title yeah. of, this, of this webcast. Whew. Oh, sounds exciting. Oh, yeah. Let's stop it here. It's not getting any better. 
Is there anything you want uh, 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 to let the world know about Gaia X from your perspective? Thank you. Well, you had your chance. Yeah, you know, it, it, I, I could do, I could do, you know, uh, the thing saying like, please, everybody, go vote and vote for the right people and buy the right products for the right industries that are supporting blah di da di da. But it's not down to us, you know. That's also typical German. It's something we don't really control, but it's going to be good for us if it goes down. Huh. Famous last words. Huh. Huh. Ah. <laughs> My last take on Gaia you is, know, frankly, uh, uh, there is a huge opportunity. If done right, something yes. which started as something which I ridiculed about, uh, um, which I made fun about, uh, and it, but looking at it now, it seems to turn into something awesome. Um, at least there's a good chance it might turn into something awesome. Um, and if that would have happened, then uh, our minister Altmaier uh, uh, would be right if he'd say that is a project that will later on define a generation. Um, and if we screw that one up, well, <laughs> wouldn't be the first one, right? Oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm only going to be here another 40 to 50 years, so what's the future? <laughs> Let's stop it here. It's not getting any better. Christopher, it was my absolute pleasure today. Um, I had a lot of fun. I hope you had some fun as well. Um, yes. And we should repeat that. We should definitely repeat that. Yes. So I'm looking forward yes. to next yes. week. Until then, stay healthy, stay strong. Um, and do not, forget to, do not forget to spread the word, right? Exactly. Always be open. Always be free. Like, share, subscribe. Have some fun. See you next week. And Gaia X you.